Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Some people were made to follow the instructions. We were made to make our own. To always measure twice and never cut corners. Unless, of course, we've got a compound miter saw. Northern Tool and Equipment is a problem solver's paradise. There's nothing we can't find, fix, or figure out together. We're made for this. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now, for your host, Dan Mater. Welcome back, everyone, to the show. Welcome back. I am your host, Dan Mater, here with the MD's Fantasy Football Show podcast. And we are at the home studios, which means, of course, we are broadcasting live on Sportscaster right now. And if you're listening on the audio version and you've never been able to watch or check out the stream, the live stream on Sportscaster, just go to sportscaster.com and then go to at MDFF Belly Up. USN. You'll be able to find my profile on there. You can follow me along and you'll always know when a new episode is about to drop. And we have a lot we got to get into today. We got to recap last night's game. We have to talk about the late Sunday afternoon games. We have to talk about the Sunday night game, the Monday night game. And of course, we have a mailbag segment for you guys at the end. And as always, if you're on Sportscaster watching this live stream now, you can go ahead and leave your fantasy football question in the chat, and I will get to it at the end of the show. It will be part of the mailbag segment, my way of shouting out all the fans who watch and listen to the show from MD Nation. I appreciate everything you guys do. If you're on the audio version, you know to always listen and download anywhere you'd like to go, anywhere you go for your podcast needs, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, Pinecast, anywhere you like to go, the MD Sunday Football Show is widely available to you. So we have to get right into it today. We have a lot to talk about once again. Shouldn't be as long of an episode as yesterday, though, as we don't have really nearly as many games. There's only about four four games or so uh, in the late 4 o'clock hour between that and Sunday night and Monday night. That's it. Only four games. I put a lot of emphasis on the early games this week, which we talked about in yesterday's podcast. So if you didn't check that out, you can watch the live stream on Sportscaster at MDFF Belly Up USN, or of course, go to your favorite Apple podcast. You're not going to miss a thing there as we talked about all those games yesterday if you missed that. Now, of course, today we'll be going over some injury updates as well. And you can always follow me along on Twitter for those player news update notifications when they come out at MDSFF Show. That way you can get the leg up on your competition so you have the information before anybody else does. But let's go ahead and get right into today's episode with no further ado. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become the newest member of the Belly Up Sports Network. The Belly Up Sports Network is a rising star in the sports industry. After having emerged onto the scene in just a year, they have accrued a massive following with bold articles, standout podcasts, and great debate amongst followers in the forums. Sign up for their newsletter and get access to all of the information throughout the Belly Up Sports Network. Go to bellyupsports.com today to join. Be bold and stand out. So first up, we got to talk about the Thursday night game from last night. 
wound up being a pretty competitive game all the way until the end. We expected it to be as such. Wasn't quite as high scoring as I was hoping slash expecting it to be. But what we saw was a lot of conservative play calling, especially on the Colts side of the ball. Look, we all talked about what was the running back carousel going to be. They, Jordan Wilkins was going to be able to come back. He was activated. He practiced in full on Tuesday, so they expect him to be available in this game. And he was active, but he didn't touch the ball one time, did not play one snap. So clearly, he wasn't fully ready to come back. Clearly, he was more there just for emergency purposes only. But it may have opened the door now because Jonathan Williams came in and got 26 carries in this game. Now, and he had great production, 104 yards, a touchdown. He even caught three balls for 17 yards on three targets. He was actually targeted just as much as Naeem Hines and was more productive than him, than him in the passing game. So I think he's definitely earned a role between going for 100 yards in backup duty when Marlon Mack went down against Jacksonville a week ago, and then on Thursday Night Football turnaround, carried the ball 26 times, pretty much acted as a three-down back for them throughout this one, and was able to produce against a Houston team that hasn't allowed a 100-yard rusher before this game in a really long time. So all of a sudden, Jonathan Williams might have some good value now from here on out because he has earned the right to be the starter as long as Marlon Mack is away from the team. And I talked about this in yesterday's podcast leading up into the game for the preview. And that was, I didn't expect Jordan Wilkins to have a huge role. Or logically speaking, I said, I didn't expect Jordan Wilkins to have a huge role. Because whenever he's been given opportunities, he always squandered them. But because of Frank Wright, because we know of his background, because we know that he'll rotate running backs come hell or high water, We didn't necessarily know what to expect. So Jonathan Williams had taken a step down. I had him behind Bo Scarball as the top pickups of the week for that reason because you knew exactly what you were going to get out of the rotation. We weren't exactly sure in this game. I'm glad it broke down the way that it did, though, because Jonathan Williams proved that he deserved at least a shot in this game. And now if you picked up Jonathan Williams or if he got left on your waiver wire and you have a chance to go pick him up next week, You know he's somebody who's actually going to have value week in and week out as a starting running back for a good Colts offense, a team that has a very good offensive line in a situation where we don't know when Marlon Mack's going to come back. He may not come back at all this regular season. He may not be back unless the Colts make the playoffs. So that's all things you have to kind of look forward to in this one. But yeah, if you picked up Jonathan Williams, you're feeling pretty good about yourself right now. Now, because the Colts called such a conservative game plan yesterday. Jacoby Brissett didn't really have an opportunity to do much. He only threw the ball 25 times, completed 16 passes, only 129 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. So very different than the first time they played the Houston Texans. And with T.Y. Hilton back in this game, it was just very unexpected. Look, the Colts have been pretty conservative all season long for the most part, but not to this point, especially not against this Houston team where they had been pretty aggressive a couple weeks ago when they played them the first time around. So I think there's something to take out of this, right? It looks to me, Kobe Brissett is not 100%, and it looks like Frank Reich is doing everything in his power to take the ball out of Jacoby Brissett's hands as much as he possibly can and not expose him with what must be a less than 100% knee. I think that's what it boils down to. I think Jacoby Brissett, he's not healthy. And they're just trying to do everything they can to make sure he doesn't get hit. And as a result, they're running the football. And they can run the football really well because of their offensive line. We'll see if that still winds up being the case because this was a big divisional loss for them. You're probably going to have to win the AFC South in order to make it into the playoffs because I don't know if there's going to be a wild card that comes out of the AFC South this season. Could be. I'm not saying there's impossible. It could be. But 
more likely you're going to have to win this division. This game was for first place. Now, you still have time, of course. There's still five games left after this. But to have to go into this game against the Houston Texans secondary that had been ripe for the taking all season long and still feel the need to play this conservatively because you don't want to get Jacoby Brissett hit is definitely something we're going to have to keep our eyes on moving forward. And it lessens the value of everybody involved. Look, T.Y. Hilton didn't have a great game. And you know what? If he was active, I told you, you had to play him. And you know what? Even though he didn't wind up having the production, I'm not going to sit here and feel like that was a bad call by me. He was targeted the most. He had six targets in this game, only three catches for 18 yards. But that was just more of a byproduct of there being really no actual passing down work. They didn't do it. They didn't throw the ball, period. That will change as Brissett gets healthier. But I am a little bit concerned moving forward that one of two things with T.Y. One, he didn't look 100% healthy. He looked like he was still having trouble on the sideline getting going. And then two, Jacoby Brissett, we don't know what we're going to get moving forward. They might not actually, they might actually be aggressive for another few weeks. Something to kind of keep in mind there. But you're still going to play T.Y. Hilton. If he, when he's active, and he should be active again next week. He was able to get out of this game without being re-injured. So that's the good news there. And he does have the week and a half until the next game. So I do expect T.Y. Hilton to be closer to 100% than we saw him be this past game last night. Brissett just might not be a streaming quarterback available. And outside of T.Y. Hilton, I don't know if there's going to be another pass catcher that you're going to be able to trust moving forward. Zach Pascal was targeted once in this game. One time. I mean... That one, you want to kill me for? Fine, because I said Zach Pascal was going to be a wide receiver four in a plus matchup. I kept pointing to what he did against the Houston Texans the first time around. I kept pointing to the fact that I thought this would be maybe a sneaky little shootout game. And I kept pointing to the fact that even with T.Y. Hilton out there, it should distract the defense, and he should be more open as he emerged as a second wide receiver. He, the snap count that he played shows that he's still the number two wide receiver on this team. It was, you know, of course, again, the byproduct of not throwing the ball very often, but also they didn't even look his way. Threw a target one time, one time, that's it? Nothing else? The tight ends were more involved in this game. That's what it boiled down to. Eric Ebron, five targets, four catches, 44 yards. Could have had a much bigger game had Jacoby Brissett actually hit him in stride on a pass where he was wide open over the middle. Jack Doyle, four targets, three catches, 28 yards. Better days are ahead for the passing offense. They're going to throw the ball more than 25 times. But this is a situation that you're going to have to watch closely moving forward. Now, on the Houston Texans side of the ball, you saw a lot of positive developments. First off, Deshaun Watson played a lot better, which was the biggest thing that you wanted to take out of that game. He didn't throw the ball that much himself, as the Texans really didn't have the ball that often because the Colts dominated time of possession in this ball game. But he only threw the ball 30 times, completed 19 passes, 298 yards, two touchdowns, and interception. Not his best game, but definitely better than it was last week. Should put him around, you know, the QB1, QB12 territory on the week. And then it was his wide receivers that you really got interested in, right? DeAndre Hopkins, big game. Great, great big game. Six catches, 94 yards, two touchdowns on eight targets. Great game for DeAndre Hopkins. Way to get back in the, way to get back in the groove. Way to finally get into the end zone, which he hadn't done in a while now. And... 
He did it all with having Will Fuller on the other side. Will Fuller was actually the number one targeted pass catcher for the Texans in this game. He had 11 targets. Seven catches, 140 yards. Looked absolutely phenomenal. Beat guys deep on a consistent basis. Had a nice 51-yard reception where he went after that ball. So he looks like he's pretty much 100% healthy. He came out of that game unscathed. And now he gets the week and a half layover until the next game as well. Will Fuller goes back to being a wide receiver three, boomer bust play. That's what he is. And plus matchups, you're going to be able to take advantage of having Will Fuller. They don't have a great schedule coming up for the rest of the way, but he's going to be somebody who's going to be able to be a viable home run threat for you guys week in and week out. We know what he is. We also know he's very injury prone, so it wouldn't surprise me if you've got a hamstring pull next week. But as long as he's active and healthy, that's what you have to play him as and use him as such. And it was good to see him his first week back already get utilized the way we want to see Will Fuller get utilized. And as a result, see DeAndre Hopkins still be able to score and do his thing too. Now, what happened outside of that? Well, because a lot of it just went to Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins, Kenny Stills was a non-factor. Only two targets in this game. Jordan Atkins, Darren Fells were pretty much non-factors. Only six targets between the two of them. Now, there wasn't a lot of passing in this game. There's going to be games where Houston Texans are throwing the ball more like 45 times. But... It kind of goes to show you with Wolf Fuller back in the mix, some of these other guys that had some fantasy value for you week to week may no longer have the targets there available to continue to do so. Carlos Hyde has a solid game in this one. 16 carries, 67 yards. The only thing he didn't do was score a touchdown. But he had a solid game in this one. Now, of course, you're not going to be super excited about only getting 67 yards when he didn't get a touchdown, but you know that Carlos Hyde, if he's able to do it against a tough Colts defense, that even though he has a tough schedule the rest of the way, he's going to be able to be in line to produce. He's going to have that potential to have a touchdown, and you liked what you saw out of him. He ran tough. He had a nice 33-yarder in this one. He was able to break one, so you want to be able to see him put up that kind of production because you do want to be able to utilize him as an RB3 flex play as we make our playoff stretch run here. And you want to know that you can still utilize him that way, and you will. As a result, I told you guys, Duke Johnson, you can't trust him. You can't trust what the volume is going to be for him on a week-to-week basis. You can't play him. He only had one target in this game. One catch, eight yards. Five carries, 22 yards. Look, the only running back in the Houston Texans that I'm going to bother playing is Carlos Hyde. It doesn't matter the scoring format. Because it's completely hit or miss. doesn't matter what the game script is, whether or not Duke Johnson is going to actually be involved. That's the problem. That wraps it up for our recap for this game. We're going to move on here and get right into our next game's previews for the 4 o'clock hour on Sunday. And we're going to kick that off with our first game up that we're going to talk about, which is the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Tennessee Titans. So first off with the injury news in this game on the Titans side of the ball, because everybody in Jacksonville is actually pretty much good to go. So for for Tennessee Titans, sorry, is Delaney Walker. Limited in practice all week. He may be able to return. But as of right now, he's still very questionable. As of right now, he's definitely still considered a game-time decision. We don't know if he's going to play. And frankly, against the Jacksonville Jaguars, for a guy who hasn't been able to play very much at all this season, I don't really know how you would be able to trust him in this situation to actually play him, even if he is active. So I would leave Delaney Walker on your benches or just leave him on your waiver wire if that's where he's been this entire time as well. Corey Davis is expected to be back. He was able to practice in the capacity all week. He is trending towards definitely being able to play. Now, you're not playing him in your fantasy leagues. I don't know. I don't really know how you play any Tennessee Titan, period, in this matchup outside of Derrick Henry. That's it. That's the only guy to me that has fantasy worthy in this, in this, in this matchup here. 
Going against Jacksonville Jaguars, they just got gutted by the Colts. You know the Titans are going to want to run the football. Expect Derrick Henry to have a top-end RB2 type of day with possible RB1 production because he's gone off on the Jaguars before. So Derrick Henry, that, but that's it. Can't expect A.J. Brown, what volume he's going to get first and foremost, but also is it still the Jacksonville Jaguars secondary? They still aren't giving up a lot of pass plays. They still are not giving up a lot of production to wide receivers, so you can't really trust any of them either. On the Jaguars side of the ball, look, the first, the first question you have to ask yourself is, all right, what's Leonard Fournette's role going to be moving forward? Is he is suddenly with Nick Foles back? Are they just going to be a completely air raid team now? Now, a lot of it had to do with game script last week. They were getting blown out by the Colts pretty early on. But Nick Foles, while statistically, again, I, I, I talked about this earlier in the podcast when we did the recap. While statistically he had a solid game, he didn't play well. He didn't look good. He didn't look like he had a lot of velocity on his throws. It was pure volume. I mean, the Jaguars' recipe for winning is not going to be to have Foles throw the ball 47 times. So that can't be the game plan going into it, which leads me to believe they're going to have to get Leonard Fournette back going, back to running the football first. It is a tough matchup. But Leonard Fournette, to me, he's still at worst an RB2 with the, with the volume and the production that he had. And even last week, even though he only had eight carries, he still had seven receptions. So he always has that high floor for you. He's going to be fine. It's not like you're going to bench Leonard Fournette anyway, but it's more of what a lot of people who have Fournette are going to be questioning the value of him moving forward. Does Nick Foles change things? And I think we have to see. If this game is close for four quarters, I think we'll get our answer as to what we can most commonly expect for the weeks to come. If it winds up being a blowout again, then again, it's going to be only so much we can take out of this game. So that's going to be the real question. Can they keep this game competitive for four quarters? And then we'll be able to get our answers for some of the questions that we need moving forward. You play DJ Chark, no matter what. D.D. Westbrook's going to be able to play, but right now, especially the way Nick Foles looked last week, I think only one wide receiver can be trusted to play for the Jaguars right now, and that would be D.J. Chark. Outside of that, D.D. Westbrook, to me, is nothing more than a low-end wide receiver for flyer. That's it. I mean, he, he has the ability. He supposedly has the rapport with Nick Foles, so there's a possibility there. The Tennessee Titans aren't phenomenal in their second corner position. But I think the Jaguars are going to have a hard time moving the ball in general in this game. So outside of DJ Chark, outside of Leonard Fournette, I really don't want any parts of the Jaguars' offense either for fantasy football purposes. It's going to be a very fantasy lackadaisical game, for sure. You can play both the defenses, though. I think, you, I think you, both the Jaguars' defense and the Tennessee Titans' defense are both stream-worthy defenses this week. Especially if you're playing in DEFS. If you're just joining us now on Sportscaster, you can go ahead and drop a fantasy football question there in the chat. I will get to you guys during the mailbag segment at the very end of this episode and and be able to shout you guys out on the show as my way of thanking you guys for MD Nation, checking it out, watching everything that you guys do to really help this show out. So I want to give you your time in the sun. So make sure you drop your question. You get it answered by me at the end of the show along with some pre-selected questions that I have from people that have asked me on social media throughout the week, as always. All right, the next game up that we want to talk about is the Dallas Cowboys and New England Patriots. This should be a good game. I expect the Patriots to win. It could be an ugly game, though, for fantasy purposes. Right? You have to play Marty Cooper, but you don't love it. I feel like you probably have to play Michael Gallup, given the stretch run that he's had, plus having four teams, four key teams on bye this week. I think you're probably going to have to play Michael Gallup. Don't love it. Ezekiel Elliott, I do love. 
Look, the one thing the Dallas Cowboys should be able to do, the one thing that teams have been able to do against New England Patriots is power run the football up the middle at them. That's the one thing you'll be able to do. So if the Cowboys are smart, their game plan should be to ride Zeke in this game, which will be great for his purposes. Look, he hasn't really had the top-notch fantasy season that we all expected. And maybe it's because he wasn't really there to practice in the offseason and got off to kind of a slow start and whatever, whatever case you want to make. But in this game, they need him to ride. And against the Patriots, on, while on paper it doesn't look like a good matchup for Ezekiel Elliott, I actually think this is a plus matchup for him. Because that's the one thing you can do against the Patriots right now is gash them in the running game, especially when you have a power football team like the Cowboys do. So I expect big things out of Elliott. Not that you're going to bench him anyway, but you can have high expectations. Dak Prescott, I don't know how much I want to play Dak Prescott this week. I don't know if he really truly is a QB1 this week. Look, this is a tough match against the New England Patriots, and outside of Lamar Jackson, no quarterback has played well against them. No receivers have really done well against them, because even when Lamar Jackson went off, it wasn't because his pass catchers were great, it's because he could still run around. It's, Dak Prescott can run around as well, but... He doesn't look to do that. It's not a, as big a part of his game as it should be. So as a result, I don't know how much you can trust, trust Dak. Now, you may not have a better option. There's not a lot of streaming quarterbacks out there available to you. And if you looked at me and said, you know what, Dan, I don't really want to play Jeff Driscoll over Dak Prescott, I'm going to say to you, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Even if he has the better matchup, even if he has been playing well as of late, it's going to be really hard to bench a Dak Prescott for a guy like that. So, you know, play your matchups, whatever you feel comfortable with. You can play Dak Prescott, but just know he's going to have a much lower ceiling this week. Much lower ceiling this week. And I wouldn't be surprised this wound up being kind of a low-scoring game in some senses. Kind of similar to what we saw last night. Now, on the Patriots side of the ball, Mohamed Sanu, day-to-day, doesn't look like he's going to play right now. And Philip Dorsett does look like he's going to make his way back from the concussion that he had last week. Looks like he will play this week. So Philip Dorsett will have a little more volume sent his way if there's no Muhammad Sanu, which is what we expect at this point. Similar to Dallas, and this is one of the reasons why I think there's going to be a pretty low-scoring game in this, in this matchup on Sunday. Similar to Dallas, I think the Patriots' game plan is going to be to run the football. One of the biggest returns from the injury report that they're going to have this week, which in and of itself is not fantasy relevant, but it does affect fantasy players, that's Isaiah Wynn coming back at the tackle position. Any help right now in that offensive line should give them the power that they need to be able to get back to running the football with some effectiveness. So that helps out Sonny Michelle, who I do think is going to be the main weapon they use against the Cowboys this week. You have been able to run the football a little bit against the Cowboys over the past month. And given that the receivers are banged up, given that Brady hasn't looked very good, being that the offensive line hasn't been very good in the past rushing, uh, passing protection ability, I don't expect them to throw the ball all that much. Outside of Julian Edelman, I don't know what other wide receiver is really going to be able to make a big difference, and this is a tough Dallas secondary. So what we're looking at right now is that we could see a very much run-heavy type of game, and it wouldn't surprise me at all. So I think Sonny Michelle is actually going to be decent this week. I think he's somebody you can play as an RB3. I think he's somebody you can play in the flex. And it's all going to be Isaiah Wynn coming back. And we'll be able to kind of be able to take away things when we come back in the recap next week. And we'll be able to analyze exactly what 
he does for that offensive line? Does he improve it enough for you to have confidence in Michelle moving forward, for you to get some confidence back in Tom Brady that he might be able to hold on to the ball for more than a second and a half? All of those things kind of get molded into whether or not Isaiah Wynn's able to make that big of an impact. The hope is that he will. I think that he will too. He's a pretty talented guy. So that's what we're going to be waiting to see. That's going to be the big question mark on Sunday as far as the Patriot players go. I think James White is a safe flex play in PPR leagues. You know he's going to get his targets. And I think the ship has sailed on Rex Burkhead and using these extra guys with everyone back and healthy. I think you're going to be able to look at this. It's going to be mostly a James White, Sony Michelle type of game against the Dallas Cowboys. You could play Edelman, Phil Thorsett, only if you have to find somebody who has some kind of volume. He's nothing more than a low-end wide receiver for, though. Because if he doesn't score, he has a very, very low floor. And I, Philip Dorsett scoring in this game against Dallas is not something that I'm going to expect moving into it. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is now partnered with the Unwrapped Sports Network. Unwrapped Sports Network has a top-notch sports blog covering all sports all the time with a team of talented writers. You can also visit their podcast page to listen to this show and several others covering multiple sports. Sign up for their newsletter and never miss a thing at UnwrappedSports.com. Again, that's UnwrappedSports.com. Next game we want to talk about. Seattle Seahawks. Philadelphia Eagles. This game actually got flexed out. This was originally supposed to be the Sunday night game, but it got flexed out for the 49ers-Packers game, which we're going to talk about in a minute. For the Seahawks and the Eagles here, a lot of injuries to talk about, right? On the Philadelphia Eagles side of the ball especially. Alshon Jeffrey does look like he's going to play. He's able to practice in limited capacity all week long. The idea has been he's going to return this week. That looks like it will remain true. Nelson Aguilar doesn't look like he's going to play this week. Not that that's really a loss. And frankly, Matt Collins, Whiteside, whoever, Jordan Matthews, Joe Schmo off the street. Doesn't matter who the Eagles pick up and sign. At this point, they would be an improvement over Nelson Aguilar, I think. I think we can all agree to that. The big one is Jordan Howard. Not clear for contact yet, so at this point, we're not expecting him to play on Sunday. Now, what does that mean? Yeah, they signed Jay Ajayi last week. He didn't play too much, but they did sign him on Friday. Miles Sanders is the only running back I want to trust here. First of all, this is a tough Seattle run defense. This is, not, this is not a plus matchup for them there. You can throw the ball in Seattle, but running the ball in Seattle has been hard for a lot of teams, especially if with the Eagles situation, you're going to have a banged-up offensive line. No Lane Johnson this week, so you're not going to be at the top of your game. And you have Jay Ajayi, who's still only back with the team. Now, yes, he knows the team well. He knows this playbook. He's been with them before with Doug Peterson, so that's why they made that signing. That's why it made sense for them. But I don't know how much of a pit impact he's going to, going to make here. And as far as we know, the reports that we've been hearing so far is that he's not going to be the starter. It's going to be Miles Sanders. So a guy in which that they had hyped up all summer long that they thought could be a three-down back eventually, a guy who can arguably do all, all the work because he can catch the ball, he can run, Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. 
Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. And, you know, he's a better pass protector than Jay Ajayi is, so it's not like you got to work him in there. Outside of the goal line, I don't know if Miles Sanders comes off the field this week. Now, I think they're going to want to work Jay Ajayi in. I think it wouldn't surprise me if you got 8 to 10 carries in this game, but he himself is not going to have fantasy value. I think Sanders does have a decent floor for you to use. I think he's more of an RB3 flex play than an RB2, because I do think Ajayi will get sprinkled in enough to lower the ceiling of a Miles Sanders. But because I expect Sanders to be utilized quite a bit in the passing game, given the lack of options that the Eagles have in the passing game right now, I think he's going to have a tremendous floor for you, especially in PPR leagues against Seattle in this matchup. I think Zach Ertz will be good. Uh, you can definitely play him. He's been getting back on track over the past couple of weeks, especially because mostly out of necessity. But there's no reason that volume doesn't go away, especially against Seattle. You can throw the ball at them. So I think Alshon Jeffrey should be a, a high-end wide receiver three in his first game back against this matchup. Zach Ertz should be a tight end one. So you can play both of those guys with some confidence. You can play Carson Wentz in this game. Obviously, he's not going to be a top-five quarterback fantasy-wise for the, for the week, but... Given a week with so many buys, given a week with not a lot of streaming quarterback options, I think there's a very good chance that he finishes around the top 10. So I think you can play Carson Wentz this week as well. Remember, this is Seattle secondary you can take advantage of. On the Seahawks side of the ball, it looks like Tyler Lockett's going to play. Now, from all reports, not named Pete Carroll, because we know we can only take what he says with a grain of salt. All reports that we've had so far about Tyler Lockett is that he's practiced in limited capacity the past two days, but he is still considered very questionable because he has been noticeably hindered by that shin injury. Now, it gets better each and every day, and it's one of those injuries that you know can rapidly heal, and he may be a lot better come Sunday. That's why it's going to be more of a game-time decision than anything else. So keep your eyes on that, but... At this point, we expect Tyler Lockett to be able to play. And this is a great matchup, of course. Lockett, DK Metcalf, lock them in, play them in your lineups. I expect them to take advantage of the Eagles secondary. They had a bye week to prepare for this game. I expect Russell Wilson to take his shots in this game, and I expect them to be available and be able to make plays. I think the question becomes, does Josh Gordon have any value? And in his first week, while he didn't have a ton of production, he only had two catches for 26 yards, he was targeted in some pretty key situations. And it looked like Russell Wilson already had a, at least a trust there with him, which is a good sign. Now look, Josh Gordon, he's nothing more than a low-end wide receiver for that you're just taking a flyer on. But you kind of want to see what happens in this game. It's more for what does he have moving forward? Because Look, the Seahawks are playing more three receiver sets this year than they did a year ago. They are more balanced in that approach. So if Josh Gordon just takes over and you know, you know, there's no more David Moore, there's no more Jaron Brown, there's no more whoever they want to throw on the other side there, and he's going to be on the field on a pretty consistent basis, and he has a he has a trust there with Russell Wilson, he's going to have some games over the next few weeks, especially in the playoffs, where he's going to be a home run flyer that you might be able to take. He might be an upside shot to have. Now, he's not going to have a better matchup than this week, but being that it's only second game, and we only saw him in one game because they had the bye week last week, it's going to be kind of hard to be able to trust him this week. Especially if Tyler Lockett's going to be back and active. 
But I think this is a good barometer to see what what can your role be? What can your potential actually be? But not a game in which I would trust playing him, if you can at all help it. As far as anybody else, Chris Carson, you got a tough matchup ahead. You have to play Chris Carson. He's still going to be an RB2 for you with the volume that he gets in the passing game, and he's still going to have a high floor. But just make sure you have a lower than you know a lower expectation for his ceiling, and you adjust your lineups accordingly. And obviously, I love Russell Wilson this week. He's going to be probably a top three quarterback like he normally is, but this is a matchup that you definitely think he should be able to take advantage of with his arm. So I definitely love Russell Wilson this week, as, and as you should. Coming off the bye week, I'm sure you're eager to get him back into your lineups. Last, oh, I'm sorry, not the last game. Ha, Sunday night game. Packers, San Francisco 49ers. We got a lot to talk about in this game too. George Kittle returned to practice yesterday, said things went well, says that he feels good. The expectation right now is that George Kittle is going to be able to return in this game. And that's big. It's big for everyone involved. You're going against the Packers who have been torched by tight ends so far this season. Now, let's see what they do because, look, this is also a defense that hasn't focused on their game plan to stop the tight end position either, right? So, going into this week, you expect them to have a focus on George Kittle. It might not matter. This is still a defense that you should be able to take advantage of. It's still George Kittle. He's still going to be Jimmy Garoppolo's number one target. So, I think you're good there. This Packers secondary can be taken advantage of. This is not the same Packers defense we saw in the first month of the season. They have been... You've been able to get a lot of fantasy production of your players going against this Packers defense in general right now. So George Kittle, you know, obviously you play him if you have him, but I wouldn't lower my expectations as long as he's active in that game. Debo Samuel, he practiced in limited capacity yesterday. Expectation is he will be able to play dealing with the shoulder injury. But Manuel Sanders has been able to practice in full past few weeks, or I'm sorry, past few days. And Because of that, he's getting healthier. He should be much closer to 100%. I expect him to be less of a decoy, more of that number one wide receiver for the 49ers. Jared Alexander has not been impressive over the past six weeks or so now. And I expect Sanders to be worked in heavily volume. So I don't really like Debo Samuel in this game. With George Kittle being back, with Emmanuel Sanders being closer to 100%, I just don't think there's enough target share there for him to have a floor that you would need him to have to play him, to feel confident to play him. So I would kind of stay away from Debo Samuel in this game if you can help it. Now, he's definitely a better play than some out there. He's going to be more of a high-end wide receiver four. There's still a, a, enough of a floor there in a week where you have four teams on by and there's a lot of just pure flyers out there rather than guys that you feel confident in as far as what they can bring to the table as their target share goes. So keep that in mind as well. But I would look for other guys who have more of the upside ceiling because I don't think he has much of one given the situation of these players coming back. And don't forget, one of the best things that you can do against the Green Bay Packers is run the football. 49ers have struggled with that the past couple of weeks. You can bet your ass that Kyle Shanahan is going to do everything in his power to get that running game going again this week. He wants to get that back on track. That is a Kyle Shanahan staple. You should be able to take advantage of the Packers by gashing them with zone running. Should be right up their alley. And with George Kittle back, it's not just what he does for them in the passing game. It's what he gives them for the run blocking game. He's a big boost to that offensive line. He's a big boost to that running game having him in there. So I expect their running game to get back on track as well. So Tevin Coleman, and that brings us to our next point, which is it'll probably be Raheem Mostert. 
Matt Breida still has not practiced. The expectation right now is that he will not play this week. Now, next week, I think there's an expectation he will be back next week. But as of right now, Matt Breida not expected to play. So Raheem Mostert, I think he's a flex-worthy option. He should get double-digit carries. And against this Packers defense, in a game in which with George Kittle back, I expect the running attack to get back on track for the San Francisco 49ers. I think he's somebody who has some flex appeal. Obviously, you're playing Tevin Coleman as a high-end RB2. I think that goes without question this, this week. I know he's been disappointing the last few weeks. I expect him to get back on track in this game. But between the running game and Kittle and, and, and Sanders, it just goes back to my point of I don't think you can trust Debo Samuel this week. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a fine streaming option. Coming off of a big week against Arizona, getting all of his weapons back, this is a secondary I think you take advantage of. And it would not surprise me if this actually wound up being a higher scoring game than people think. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Which brings me to the Packers on their side of the ball. First of all, everyone's healthy, so that's the good news there. Second of all, they're coming off of a bye week that they've been able to prepare. They're very good against the zone, which is what the 49ers run. So while the 49ers defense has been really good, I expect the Packers to have a pretty good, clear-cut game plan against this defense. The biggest thing is going to be protecting Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers has time, he's going to have a good game here against San Francisco. With Devontae Adams back, with the way they've been able to utilize the running backs in the passing game, with the way he normally carves up the zone, yeah, I expect Aaron Rodgers to have a good game against San Francisco. I expect him to be a QB1, believe it or not. I expect him to be a QB1 this week. So I think it's going to catch a lot of people off guard. With Because they're all looking at San Francisco's defense. They're like, oh, they've been playing great. What are you talking about? This is a terrible matchup. Rodgers has been hit or miss. Yeah, that's all true. Coming off of a bye week against a cover three zone team, Aaron Rodgers should be able to eat. So look out for that. Obviously, you're playing Aaron Jones. Jamal Williams, especially PPR leagues, has flex appeal. He's just involved too much to be kept down. He is somebody that they utilize in the red zone, especially when throwing the football. So he's somebody who's a flex appeal as well. Obviously, Devontae Adams is a wide receiver one. The question is, who's that second pass catcher? And while I don't think you can play the second wide receiver of the Green Bay Packers this week against San Francisco, I do believe it's going to be Alan Lazard moving forward. That's why he was on my waiver wire report. That's why I've been talking him up for the past couple of weeks. It has been clear to me that while his snap count has not quite overtaken Geronimo Allison yet, the fact that it's clear Aaron Rodgers trusts him to make a play when he needs him to more so than the other wide receivers not named Devontae Adams shows me that he is going to go to Alan Lazard more and more down the stretch. Packers have a great schedule after this. So while I wouldn't play Lazard this game, he is somebody I think that should be picked up. That's why I talked about on the waiver wire report, but it has some upside moving forward. Has, has some wide receiver three upside moving forward as the second targeted wide receiver in this offense with a great schedule on the way, especially in the playoff stretch. So look out for that. And this will be a good game to kind of get an idea out coming out of the bye week. Has he officially taken over from a snap count percentage over that second wide receiver job, which is what I think we're going to hope to see and be able to know that we have a floor out of him moving forward. So something to kind of just keep your eye on there. Not going to stream Jimmy Graham this week. I don't think a lot of people want to, but being that the tight end situation is the way it is, everyone's looking at everyone, every option that they possibly can. Titans haven't done much against San Francisco, and Jimmy Graham is just pretty much sloping his way out of the NFL pretty soon. So I wouldn't play Jimmy Graham this week. Next game and our last game that we're going to talk about in this podcast is the Monday night game between the Ravens and the Rams. This is going to be a good game, or at least on paper it should be a good game. 
We'll see what happens. I, I, it, this game's going to go one of two ways. It's either going to be really close for all four quarters, or the Ravens are going to blow them out like they did the last two opponents. You got to play everybody on the on on the ran, on the Ravens. Excuse me, and this is a tougher Rams defense for sure. But they are not as good against teams that can be super physical, which is why I say there is a chance the Ravens blow them out because I do expect the Ravens to beat them up on the line of scrimmage. Lamar Jackson obviously played QB one. Obviously, you play Mark Ingram as the rushing game is is the Achilles heel of the Rams. The only guys I'm the only guy I'm not playing is Marquise Brown. I don't expect him to do much against Jalen Ramsey. I don't think anybody would. Marquise Brown to me is a wide receiver five this week. He just he has no floor, and the only hope you would have is that he just happens to catch one bomb, and that is very very futile against Jalen Ramsey to, to expect or hope for. Mark Andrews, you got to keep playing him. It's not a great matchup on paper, but the tight end position, who are you going to play that's better? Who's on more of a tear as of late? And as long as Marquise Brown is there, while he himself might not do much, his presence has helped out Mark Andrews tremendously over the past couple of weeks because what it's done is opened up that middle of the field. Teams can't stack 9 and 10 guys in the box and play the tight ends nearly as much because Marquise Brown can take you out, has to take a safety out with him. He's that fast. Even with Jalen Ramsey one-on-one, they're still going to have safety help over the top. So because of that, Mark Andrews, even in tougher matchups, still has a chance as the number one pass catcher of the Ravens to always have a good floor, if nothing else, and have the possibility to score. So you're playing Mark Andrews this week too. For the Rams, Brandon Cooks cleared concussion protocol. He's going to be back. He's going to play on Monday. Robert Woods, after whatever his personal family matter was, we still don't even know what it was. There still hasn't been any details to that. He is back with the team, practicing, came out and said that he expects to play on Monday. So the Rams are actually, for the first time in quite a while, are looking like they're going to have their full plethora of weapons on offense. Cooks has been out for a while with concussion. Robert Woods was a sudden inactive. Todd Gurley had missed a game earlier in the season. So they actually have everyone ready to go in this game. And I don't think it's going to matter. For one reason and one reason only. Jared Goff has played like absolute crap. And against the Ravens defense, which has been improved with Marcus Peters and has been playing lights out as of late, playing like a top three defense as of late. I don't care that this game's in Los Angeles. I don't expect Jared Goff to play very well. And if that's going to be the case, that kills the value of everyone not named Cooper Cup. And even Cooper Cup has had a bad couple of weeks here. He goosed you two weeks ago, only three catches for 50-some-odd yards last week. And that was with no Robert Woods. That was with no Brandon Cooks. That That was a game in which he should have had a lot of volume. And he still couldn't get going. I'd still play Cooper Cup in this game, but that's the only wide receiver I would play. I don't want to take a chance on Brandon Cooks his first week back. First of all, he's a high risk for getting another concussion because he's already had multiple this season, so the right hit may knock him out of the game altogether. And being that he's more of the deep flyer, Ravens don't give up deep plays with Earl Earl Thomas back there and the zone defense that they play. They don't give up a lot of big plays. So I don't expect that to be a factor in this one. And then Robert Woods on the other side, I expect him to have his normal six to eight targets in this game. Yeah, I expect him to have his normal volume, but I don't expect him to do much with it. This is still a guy who has not scored a receiving touchdown this season. This is still a guy who's heavily dependent on volume, and this isn't a good matchup. The only way these guys are able to have 
any kind of value is if Jared Goff suddenly played well, and that's going to be the biggest thing because I don't think the Ravens. I don't, I'm sorry, I don't think the Rams' offensive line are going to be able to protect him against the Ravens' pass rush in this game on a consistent enough basis. I think Jared Goff is going to be terrible. Obviously, not playing in fantasy purposes, but this is another game where I think Sean McVay showed you something last week against Chicago Bears. He finally gave the ball to Todd Gurley 25 times. Who we're going to talk about in a minute, but the reason he did that is because not just because you know the best matchup against the Bears has been the running game, but also it's clear that Sean McVay is looking at this like right now, Jared Goff, you don't have it this year. We have to hide you. We have to limit your touch, your 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 impact on the team. Plain and simple, because right now. Leaning on him is getting them in trouble. I said to do the same thing in this game. Look, this is a great Ravens defense. The one thing you've been able to do is run against them because their defensive line is, is banged up. And against they're still built to be able to be pass rushers, but they're not as built to stop the run. So as a result, you've been able to run on them a little bit. I think this is going to be a similar game to what we saw last week against Chicago, or at least I think that's what the game plan is going to be because if the Ravens start to blow them out, then all that goes out the water, obviously. But I think the game plan coming into the game is going to be to run Todd Gurley heavy again, to take the ball out of Jared Goff's hands, to hopefully open up play action because I think that's what the game plan is going to be for the Rams. So I expect Todd Gurley to actually get quite a bit of volume. I don't know if he gets 25 carries like he did last week, but I think being that they won that game, being that their season is on the line in this one, I think there's a very good chance that we see Todd Gurley get 18 to 20 carries or at least be away from that 12 to 15 range that he was earlier on this season and be more to the Todd Gurley workload that we've all seen. He looked fine that game. He ha- he handled the ball. He almost had 30 touches total in that game, and yet he looked completely fine all four quarters. And as a result, their, their offense looked better because they limited the impact of Jared Goff. So look for that again in the Monday night game, or at least in the first half, and we'll see how the game flow goes. So Todd Gurley's the only real Ram that I feel good about playing in this week, and I would play Cooper Cup. But outside of that, I think we got to play the wait-and-see game. I think we have to see, can the Rams get back on track? This is a tough match on a Monday night game. I don't like it. I don't like these guys' floors going into it on Woods and Cooks and Goff. Same thing goes with Gerald Everett. I don't like his floor either. But with Gerald Everett, it's a little bit different because of the tight end situation, the way that it is. Even when all the tar- all the you know weapons for the Rams have been healthy, Gerald Everett has still been targeted a healthy amount. So Cooks coming back, Woods coming back, that doesn't really affect Gerald Everett and what he has done this season that much. I still think you can play him. He might be more of a high end tight end two than he is a tight end one, but. Unless you can get a better option, I think he's somebody who can still play in your lineups and provide you with a decent floor and, of course, an opportunity to score if they get in close. That wraps up our preview for Week 12. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. Now, remember, like I said, we're about to get into the mailbag segment. I have a few pre-selected questions, but if you are watching on Sportscaster, go ahead, drop a question in the chat. I will get to it as part of the episode in this segment. But let's kick it off with the mailbag here. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become a new member of Overtime Heroics. Overtime Heroics is a fantastic sports media platform for sports fans all around the world to come and participate in their extensive forums. And now with the merger of the Land Sports Network, the website will soon have great content available from extremely well-written articles to entertaining and informative podcasts from all sports for you to enjoy. All you have to do is register for free at OvertimeHeroics.com to participate. Again, that's OvertimeHeroics.com. So the first question up that we have is Peyton. Uh, asked me on Twitter, 
Allen Robinson, Michael Gallup, or DK Metcalf pick two. This is pretty easy, actually. And I think it's going to surprise some people. Allen, obviously, you play DK Metcalf. Allen Robinson's the other guy I play over Michael Gallup this week. Yes, Michael Gallup has been tearing it up, but against the Patriots, I don't know what to expect out of the passing attack of the Cowboys this particular week. And I think a lot of people are looking at it that way. Yes, Mitchell Trubisky has been awful. And as of right now, it looks like he's the one who's going to play. He's still been the one practicing in full and taking most of the first team reps. So it does sound like Mitchell Trubisky is going to be the quarterback. But against the Giants, if you can't play Allen Robinson against the Giants, you're not going to be able to play Allen Robinson at all for the rest of the season. So you have to play Robinson here. For Trubisky to get his confidence back, he's going to have to go to his best weapon, which is Robinson. It's a plus match against the Giants. Take advantage. So I'm obviously playing DK Metcalf for the big play upside that he has against the Philadelphia Eagles. But I'm also going to play Allen Robinson here. I think he has a safe floor. A safer floor than Michael Gallup does against the Patriots this week. D from Facebook asked me, Tyrell Williams or Terry McLaurin? Also kind of put in the note, D also kind of put in the note there, uh, it's do or die for D. I'm saying for D, I don't know if it's a, a he or a she. That name could go either way. So, uh, yeah, she, it's do or die. So, uh, basically, I'm guessing that means you either win this game and you're out of the playoffs. Ty- Tyra Williams is where you go, D. Tyra Williams, for sure. Look, Terry McLaurin against the Detroit Lions, Darius Slay is going to shadow Terry McLaurin. So, that's already a knock. You have the way Dwayne Haskins has been playing, the way that offense has been conservative. It doesn't open up a lot of extra opportunities for Terry McLaurin to shake loose. Early, if this was earlier in the season, I would say I don't care because McLaurin had been doing very well even in bad matchups that had not mattered. But that's not going to be the case here. Tyron Williams is a great match against the Jets. He is the number one wide receiver for that team. He is a touchdown threat. You play Tyron Williams. He has a much safer floor. And a chance to score. Last question for my pre-selected questions was, Jerry asked me, Joe Mixon or Devin Singletary this week? And what I have to say to that is definitely Joe Mixon. You have a guy here who, since Ryan Finley has taken over, has been heavily, heavily volume in the offense. He doesn't have the best matchup in the world against the Steelers this week, no, but... Neither does Devin Singletary. You have Devin Singletary who's going to get touches stolen by Frank Gore. You're going to have a tough matchup against the Denver Broncos. A game in which I don't think there's going to be a lot of points scored. Not that I think the Bengals and Steelers game is going to have a lot of points scored in either. But you have Joe Mixon who is a much more guaranteed to get plus 20 touches. Where Devin Singletary, he might get 15-16. Especially in a game that might not have a lot of scoring. And that might be tops. So... Yeah, you play Joe Mixon, you play the floor. He's been involved in the passing game since Ryan Finley's taken over. They're going to have to keep it simple against the Steelers. You play Mixon. And he had a decent game against them the last time that they played a couple of weeks ago. So I think you can take that with some confidence as well. I know Devin Singletary has the more bigger play upside to him, but the way the Broncos have been playing defense at the late, the way they've been tackling, the way they've been shutting down the run, I don't see how you can trust Devin Singletary when he has to split carries with Frank Gore on top of it. So that wraps up the episode. That wraps up the mailbag segment. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. I hope you guys all have great luck this week. And we will be back on Monday with the normal recap. Now, we're gonna, next week is Thanksgiving. So before you guys take off, we are going to be doing things a little bit differently next week uh, with the holiday and everything like that. So we will have our recap shows on Monday and our recap show on Tuesday, which will have the Sunday night, the Monday night, and the waiver wire report on the Tuesday one like normal. And that will be from the mobile studio, so that will just be the audio version available on your favorite Apple, on your, not Apple, on your favorite podcast app, which could be Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Stitcher or Spotify or Spreaker or wherever you want to go. 
the MB's Fantasy Football Show widely available to you. So that will be as normal. What we will be doing is Wednesday night will be the preview show for the Thursday games and the early Sunday games. So we're going to have that on Wednesday night. So I'm going to be live on Sportscaster Wednesday night. The audio version will be available to you on Thursday morning like normal. On Friday, we will still have our preview show on Black Friday uh, as normal as well. And that will be video. That will be, you know, that will be the rest of the games. The late Sunday afternoon games, the Sunday night game, the Monday night game per usual with the mailbag segment. So that's how it's going to work. It's going to be a little bit different. So instead of Thursday morning having the live stream it's just going to be Wednesday night instead. So keep that in mind. I will make sure I tweet that out and put that out on Facebook for you guys to know exactly what time on Wednesday the show will be. It will probably be late, at least on the East Coast anyway. So just keep that in mind. Follow me along on Twitter at Show for all the player news update notifications. And when that comes out, make sure you follow me along on Facebook at Show. Check out the website. My new updated rankings for Week 12 are out. www.mdffshow.com You can always email me from the website at as well. Check out one of my networks here, Unwrap Sports or Belly Up Sports, doing great things on Sportscaster and anywhere else, really. The content has been tremendous. Remember, I do uh, I do run the Belly Up Fantasy account, so I will be on there at 9 a.m. this Sunday with all of your start-sit questions. So if you want to go to the Belly Up, at Belly Up Fantasy, follow them along, drop a question there. I'll be able to answer all of your questions there as well. And of course, you can always go to my own Twitter account, at MDSFFshow2, for that as well, whenever you want. And even for Belly Up Fantasy, you can do that whenever you want. I will always get back to you wherever you need to go. Uh, but it will be 9 a.m. Any last-minute Starset questions will be on at Belly Up Fantasy for you guys. So keep that in mind. Good luck to everyone this week. Which, when we come back, the next time we see you is going to be one game away till we start the playoffs. So everyone, make sure you play your matchups. I will be available to you all weekend long for any fantasy questions that you may have. And I will see you guys all on Monday. Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 